going to get started. So, uh, welcome everyone to Bible study. We're glad you're here tonight. Uh, thanks for taking some time to come on out and be a part of what we're doing. We're going to take a moment and pray and then begin our time together. Father, thanks for thanks for uh, your love and thanks for your grace uh, into our lives. A real grace uh, that has cost you everything and is something that is of value and something that's real in our lives. And so we thank you for the grace that you bestow on us and the life that we have through you. We thank you for what that means uh, as far as our place and, our, and the love that we live in and the place that we have with you and your family. So God, tonight, I just want to say thanks for loving us. Thank you for extending and pouring out grace into our lives and we value that and we honor that in our lives tonight so god we ask that you would speak to us we pray for your word to really enrich us tonight uh, we, we pray we'd have ears to hear and a real heart to receive we ask it in jesus name amen all right if you have a bible you can open up to Psalm chapter 24 if you need a Bible. They're located on the tables, so you can feel free to grab a Bible and use that. Psalm chapter 24, or Psalm 24. Psalm 24 and verse 1. If I could have a volunteer read that, I'd appreciate it. Alrighty, thanks. Uh, one of the main ideas that I want you to take away from tonight, and so I'm going to start with it, is that we are not our own. And I know some of you have a really, really difficult time understanding that. And so I'm going to say it again. We are not our own. And, and that may rub some of you the wrong way. That may irritate some part of you that gets irritated when things like that are said. And that's okay. I, I don't mind the irritation. I don't mind that you're irritated. It doesn't bother me one bit that that irritates you. And, uh, and so I, I apologize if I'm not appropriately feeling badly for irritating you because I just don't. Because the, the bottom line of what is being said here is that we're not our own. That our lives are not our own and our bodies are not our own. And I think there's other places in the scriptures where you see that, and we understand that that's the case. Now, we can choose to pretend that we are our own, and we can go about our lives living as if we're our own, and we can do things that we want to do and say things that we want to say and go about our lives the way that we want to go about our lives. We're given that kind of freedom. It doesn't change the fact, though, that we're not our own and that our bodies are not our own. Uh, what this verse talks about is everything that has to do with the true king. There's one king. And I know we joke about it around here because we have some pictures of Elvis in different parts of the church. And I mean, you know, he, he's the king, but not the big king. You know, he's just the king. Uh, he's, the, he's the king, king of rock and roll. That's Elvis, all right? But, and we, have, we honor him in velvet and in other means. And so <laughs> he has his place and his part, but 
certainly the true king is the God of the universe that we worship. Uh, certainly the true king is the God who has shown himself in majesty, who is the Lord of the universe. And there's a certain sincerity that God really looks for in worship. That if we don't somehow come to terms with who's in charge, and we don't come to terms with who the creator is, and we don't come to terms with who the real king is, and who the true king is, and who reigns in majesty, it's really difficult to, to really, really, really worship him. Because those are things that we need to come to terms with in our lives. That he made all of this. That it's all his. And in that, that idea of ownership that you see there, the idea like the earth is the Lord's, that's ownership, right? And that idea is, is not so much that he bought it, all right, like, like he bought a house or paid for it, but it really belongs to God and his rights center around uh, that it is the product of his own hands, his own labor, or his own skill. That's how he owns it. And so that's an important difference, that he, he didn't acquire it somehow. He made it. And he owns it because he made it. And so that, that's why. And we have to come to terms with that. He made you. He made your life. He continues to make your life. I mean, we, we love to ask God for stuff, right? Like, hey, God, could you provide for me? Sure, and he's a provider. God, could you give me peace? Well, he's the God of peace, so he pours out peace in our life. God, could you give me some direction for my life? Yeah, to the point that we love to ask him so much and say, okay, God, this is what I need or this is what I'm looking for or this is what I want or whatever it is that we come to the point where not only is that a huge privilege, we get angry with him when he doesn't do and snap to what we ask him to do. Then we get mad at him. So not only have we taken it so far away that he's really the owner. He's really the one in charge. He's really the one who is reigning in majesty right now. He's really the one that spoke and all things are. That's who he really is. And he reigns in his majesty over all of creation. That's the truth. And we've gone so far away from that that like, like, like spoiled brats, if we ask him for something and he doesn't deliver, we get angry with him. And we threaten to just not believe in him anymore because he didn't perform for what we, we decided he should do. And I don't know if you understand how childish that is, and I don't know if you understand how ridiculous that is in the face of the fact that he's God of the universe. Well, I'm going to threaten him with what? Oh, I'm not going to believe in you anymore. Yeah, but who's, gonna, who's, who's the one who's going to suffer for that decision? It's not him. The God of the universe, he, he has control and ownership over everything because he made it. He breathed it. It's his creation. We're allowed to dwell here. We're allowed to boldly approach his throne. We're allowed to ask him for stuff we need. We're allowed to come before him and seek him and find him according to his word. We're allowed to worship him. 
We're allowed to receive of his grace. We're allowed to receive of his love. We're allowed to receive of his provision into our lives. We're allowed to receive of his peace. We're allowed to do all those things. He's provided all that for us. He brings comfort into our lives. He brings peace to our minds when they're, they're going crazy or whatever. He brings peace. He does all those things. And we dwell with him and he chooses to dwell with us. But we're going to get mad at him because he doesn't obey us. He doesn't need to obey us. In fact, if he did obey us, he wouldn't be God at all. The fact that he doesn't do things that you want him to do proves that he is God. That proves that he is Lord. It proves that he's in charge. It proves that he is the owner and that the earth is his and the fullness thereof. And every single living creature that crawls and walks and flies on the face of the earth and swims on the face of the earth is his. He does what he wants, thankfully. Thankfully. And there's a comfort in that, and there's a joy in knowing that. And there's even more reason to worship him. More. And so I, I want to encourage you tonight that if you have a problem with your not your own, I want you to really seek God about dealing with that. I mean, really, just seek him. Because I, I know for some of us that's such a hard concept, and we can't see it in, in any light. We can't see it in any way. I was talking to some of the guys that I met down in North Carolina a couple weekends ago. And these are guys that are deployed all around the world. And uh, they were, one of them was talking to me about some of the places that I've been. And one of the places I've been is a country called Mauritania. And in Mauritania, the, the year that we went, and I would guess it's not changed much since, maybe a little bit, but human slavery was common. I mean, people were bought and sold. I mean, I was given offers for people on my team, women on my team, to be bought and sold like cattle. Negotiated. Like a, two goats and a drum. What do you think? No, 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 no. Because he wouldn't throw in the camel. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But seriously, the guys are, and I mean, what was fascinating about that, we came back from that trip and we'd tell people about, I mean, literally, people being bought and sold, and people did not believe us, specifically Christians. They could not accept the fact that in that year, in this day and age, that people were still bought and sold in slavery. Could not accept it. And most people that live in societies like ours, Western societies, they, they live in denial of it. This, this guy that I was talking to, like I said, I mean, these guys are deployed all over the world. He, he, like me, he says statistically, he's like, there's more slaves now than there were in the 1700s, 1600s. Statistically. But we don't want to hear that. We don't want to know that. I mean... All this stuff it says in the Bible about 
the bond servants and all the stuff it says in the Bible about how you live if you're in a condition like that. I mean, well, that was all for back then. Well, how is it possible that there's that many people living in slavery now? And there are. There's whole systems of government, whole systems of religion that promote slavery. Still. Whether you want to believe that or you don't want to believe that, it doesn't matter. It is what it is. I've seen it. Some of you that have been with me have seen it. You've witnessed it. And you know it's as real as it is. But if you haven't seen it, there's a part of your brain that just don't, won't believe it. You just want to believe it. You don't, you don't want to. Oh, that's just talking about spiritual stuff when it talks about being in bondage. Well, it is talking about spiritual stuff, but it's also talking about physical stuff too. Oh, that, that, that just, you know, that he wasn't serious about that. Well, yeah, he was actually. And the whole reason I'm saying this is that there's a part of us I, I think needs to be broken down. That really needs to be broken down in our lives. That we get off the throne. That you get off the throne. Whatever that little throne is in your life. It might be two orange crates stacked on top of each other, but you're on the throne. I don't know. We need to get off of that. We don't have any place there. We don't have any reason to be there. There's nothing good going to happen from that spot, ever. Not with us sitting there. What's that? It could be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because Paul, he comes back to this in kind of an interesting way. 1 Corinthians 10.26 What did we just read in Psalm 24? That was it, right? Now, if you read the context of 1 Corinthians 10, 26, what you read there is that there's a discussion going on about what you can eat and what you can't eat. And that discussion is going on, and what Paul, he draws from this verse, and what he wants us to understand from this verse is that all things are pure to who? And to whom else? To the, all things are pure to the pure. All right? All things are pure to the pure. And that's what Paul was saying in that. And what he said there is like, well, you just eat what you want. In other words, if you're eating in sincerity, you're eating in truth, you don't need to be worried about whether the food was sacrificed to idols or not. Like, for example, in our culture, would we care? Would we care? I mean, I don't care. I go to the store and buy my food. Don't you? All right? And so if I don't know, and, I, and seriously, I don't know, all right, but it's unimportant to me. It's not something I think about. It's not something that's a problem for me. It's not something that I dwell on or have any problem with. Now, the only caveat that, that Paul gives is like, but if it causes your brother to stumble, if he sees you eating something they shouldn't be eating, then don't do it. 
But the bottom line, and he uses his verse to say this, is like everything is pure to the pure. That if you're sincere and and you're just living your life, I mean, who cares? Who cares? Well, all of it's the same. All of it's the same. And so that, that's what he was trying to say to these people because they were all hung up. And these were Gentiles that were all hung up about it. They were all hung up about whether or not they could eat this meat because of where it had been before or why it had been killed or whatever the, the issue was or how it had been killed. And while Paul said, well, to the pure, everything is pure. In other words, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're not part of that system. We're not part of what they're doing. We're not part of their, whatever their, their ceremony is. We're just not part of any of it. We don't have anything to do with it. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What does that say? It says that it's God, all things, he's made all things. All right? And so to the pure, all things are pure. You're living in that knowledge, that understanding. You're living in that way. He's made everything. Which animal has he not made? He made every animal. Every single one of them he made. All right? And because he's made every single animal to the pure, all things are pure. What's pure mean? Of one substance. You want to try to make it something that's not. It's not. It's of one thing. I love lamp. What? Yeah. It's one thing. <laughs> and so, so I mean, I, I don't know. I've experienced this in my life on a number of occasions where it's just one thing. Right? It's a pure thought. It's a pure way to live. It's a purity about how we're going about our lives. What does that mean? Simplicity. What does it mean? One thing. What's the one thing? Well, we'd say Jesus. It's one thing. There's nothing else. It's like, what are you adding to that? It's Jesus. All right? And then we have the rest of our lives and everything that goes on. But really, the purity of our life comes in our relationship, a simplicity of relationship with Christ. One thing, man. You're going to love God. Yeah. Love God, hate the devil, man. It doesn't get too, too complicated. All right? And then, you know, people talk to me, theology, all right. My theology is not very complicated. My Christology is not very complicated. I've explained both to children. Didn't take volumes of books to somehow come up with it. It's a very simple thing. To the pure, to the, one, the person of one substance, all things are of one substance. I believe in my heart and my, and my oh God, he reigns supreme. God is, he reigns in his majesty. He's the Lord of the universe. He's made all things and all things belong to him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I believe that. Then what can I eat? Anything. Anything. And that's why Paul quotes this verse. You see that? You may have read that verse in there. Wonder why, why would Paul quote this verse of all verses in the middle of a discussion about eating meat sacrificed to idols? That's why. That is exactly why. It's a reminder. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He made everything. So what can I eat? Everything. Why are we arguing about this? That's, that's where that came from. So 
the true owner, the earth belongs to God. It's his dominion. He has an interest. It's kind of interesting that, that you think about God and, and sometimes people own stuff and they never visit. Well, he owns it, but he owns it and he lives here. Now, which house do you think is going to be nicer? Usually. I'm not saying every single time. But you're going you're gonna to live in an owner-occupied house. Is that going to be nicer than the one where the, the owner doesn't live there? What do you think? Chances are. Which is going to be nicer? That's where the owner lives, right? Mainly. I think that there's exceptions to that, but not too many. I think most people would think, and, and it's been my experience, that when an owner occupies a house, the house is in better shape than if he doesn't. Right. So our owner, he takes dominion, he has an interest in all persons and places. He's interested in us. And so he lives here with us, and he's very interested in that. It's not like he's an absentee landlord. But he takes an interest in our daily lives. He takes an interest in what we're about. He takes an interest in what we're doing. You see, his rights, his rights are to choose you or him or her or them for whatever he wants it for. That's his rights. And it, what I want to say about that is, is that there is no fairness that needs to be discussed here. Why does God choose that person to do that? Why didn't he choose me? Bad question. Bad question. And you probably don't want to know the answer anyway. But the real answer, the only one we need to know is because he's God and he does what he wants. Yes, that's absolutely true. You know, going back to in some of the bad theology that people grow up with, why were we created? Some of the bad theology you've heard as a kid or you heard in church, well, God was lonely. Hmm? God yeah, God needed a friend. I've heard that. God was lonely. God was looking for love. God was bored. I mean, I've heard, I mean, I've, literally, I've heard people say stuff like this, and it's, it is, it is, is ridiculous. He's, he wasn't lonely. He existed forever before we were ever created. He's perfectly happy. He created, you know, even before anything was, he was, and he was perfectly happy. He's always existed. He didn't just get lonely one day and make the earth. That didn't happen. He wasn't looking for anything. We exist at his pleasure. In other words, why do we exist? Because he wants us to. Why did he create us? He wanted to. Well, why? I don't know. I don't know. Why? Because he wanted to. Then he did it, and that was it. So here we are. There's no other answer to that. You start making up stuff if you start going beyond that. He did it because he wanted to do it. And so... Then we were here, existing at his pleasure, or for his pleasure, and he calls some of us to some things, he anoints some of us for some things, he uses us, some of us for some things, and others for other things. His choice. His choice. 
Well, why does he use me for that? Well, bad question. Because he doesn't. He just doesn't. And, and Jesus talks about this in Matthew. If you look in Matthew chapter 20, he tells a story about a guy that's looking for workers. And some of you know this one. But he's looking, this guy's looking for workers, so he goes out at 6, six o'clock in the morning. And he puts out the call. He's like, I need some people to come work for me. Uh, this is your day's wage. And, uh, and so uh, come work for me if you're willing to. And some people volunteered. They came over, and he put them to work. Then about 9 o'clock in the morning, went back out. And he's like, I need some more workers. Anybody want to come? I'll give you this wage. And if you want to come work, you can. People come work at noon, did the same thing. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he did the same thing. Then at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, one hour before quitting, he went out, back out, and he's like, one last call, anybody that wants to work, and I'll give you, this is the wage. They came in, worked for an hour. Goes to pay everybody, pays them all the same wage. Every one of them. Pays each one of them the same wage. So the guys that started at 6 o'clock in the morning, they, they worked 12 hours. They're like, hey, 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 why does that guy get the same wage I did, only worked an hour, and I worked 12 hours? That's not fair. And the guy and the owner of the field, he's like, well, I made the call, and I said, this is your pay, and you agreed to it. So I'm giving you your pay. And I made the call again at 9 or noon or at 3, and at five, I said, this is your pay. And the people that came, they agreed to it. And this is their pay. It's the same for everybody. And so he pays each person the same wage. And people were really irritated about that. Because they had a sense of fairness or justice that they couldn't get over. And the word of Jesus on this is get over it. Just get over it. Because that's his choice. The owner of the field is the one that called the people. The people answered the call. And he came up and he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He paid each of them exactly what he said he was going to pay them. And it is none of nobody's business how he runs his business. Nope. There's no, there's no labor relations board. There's nobody you can contact. There's not a Department of Labor, New York State Department of Labor. You can't contact any of them. This guy just paid what he was going to pay, fair wage, and that was it. Get over it. Some of us have an overactive sense of justice. Some of us have an overactive sense of fairness or fairness in our hearts and our lives, and the owner does what he wants. Get over it. So I I can't tell you why certain things happen. He does what he wants. I can't tell you why certain people are called to do this and others are called to do that. He does what he wants. I can't tell you why some people's lives seem easier than other people's lives because he does what he wants. That's all. That's all I can tell you. I'm going to do what he called me to do because that was my agreement with him. You do what God calls you to do. You go where he calls you to go. You speak to who he calls you to speak to. You do what he calls you to do. You put in the time he calls you to put in, and that's between you and him. I got to do what I got to do. That's all I know. That's all I know. 
And so that's within his rights. You see, he is kind and he is excellent toward us. That we do know. And those aren't comparisons. That's just who he is. He is kind toward you. And his excellence is poured out toward you. He is the living God. So think about what I said before about everything belonging to him. I want you to consider that the, the right to property. And not in the sense, like I said, he didn't inherit it and he didn't acquire it. He actually made it. He produced it with his own hands. And that's where his right comes from. It's his hand. It's his labor. It's his skill that produced it. And that's what gives him the right. So, what do you have that he didn't make? Nothing. And you can believe that it's at, by your own hand, but it's not. And he'll allow you to believe that too, but it's not. He'll allow you to believe that, that you've made these things and you've produced these things and, and somehow you've created these things. He'll allow you to believe that all you want, but it's not really true. It's his. That's why when, when people talk about, and I, I think a lot of times people give lip service to this, but they have talents and they have abilities and, and they'll, you know, they'll say, oh yeah, you know, glory to God. Give him, the, give him the point. You know, well, yeah. Do you really believe that, though? Really? I mean, really? Yeah. And, and I can only encourage you to really believe that. And to really keep that in mind. Not, you're not just giving the cursory point. You're really like, yeah, this is his. Yeah, I've done this. Or, or whatever it is that has been produced. Awesome. It's really his, though. You know, and those of us that are artists or musicians or, or produce things or, or can produce creative things with our hands or however other means or our voice or whatever it is or with our feet as we dance or whatever. I, I mean, it's his, though. It's always his. I, I can remember, and I don't know if you guys, what kind of churches you went to, but when I was really little, I went to my grandfather's church, which was kind of a, an old-fashioned Southern Baptist church, and it was really in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you ride down the roads in these places, and there's just nothing, all right? And, and this place is, was in Hamer, South Carolina, it's around the North Carolina border. And, I mean, you could be driving, and I don't know, there ain't nothing there. So you drive up onto the church, it just pops up out of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, and you go on in there. It's just old-fashioned and country people and everything. But I can remember, I mean, people would get up. Their people would come in, and they would sing. And I'm not saying I agree with this or anything, but I, just bear with me for a second. And they would sing, and, and they'd be awesome. Or they would do something or, or whatever. And they get done, and you could hear a pin drop. No one would ever clap. And what they were doing is that they were emphasizing that it's not that person. That belongs to God. All right? That belongs to God. And so what happened over time was they replaced the pin dropping with the, the pastor would get up after somebody did something like that. And they say, okay, let's give the Lord a hand clap. All right? That's how they get over that. 
And so then, uh, you know, and after a while, everybody relaxed and got over themselves. But it's really on the person, though, isn't it? It's not on us. I mean, we respond the way we respond. I mean, you hear somebody do something awesome. What's your response? Yeah, yeah, we're going to clap. You're going to, you know, say good job or, or, you know, yell or something or cheer or whatever it is. I mean, that's our response. It's a human response, right? And, and that's fine. But it's really the person that's sitting there like, okay, but whose is this? It's God's. And to live their life in that kind of simplicity. You know, for people that aren't as talented or don't really do things that people notice, well, you know, you aren't really tempted that way as much as somebody else might be. Thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord you're not fighting that battle every time. Thank the Lord you're not, you're not really battling with those feelings of pride and those feelings of, of, of you know, self-importance or whatever it is. Thank God that he spared you that. All right? Because I, I know in our minds we look at somebody like that and we think, wow, it would be great to have him. Well, is it? It could be, I guess. But, I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying to, to despise your gifts or, to, or anything like that. I'm saying, you know, enjoy your gifts and use your gifts and all of that. But if you don't have those particular gifts or maybe your gifts are hidden or maybe your gifts aren't something that's done in public, well, fine, that's good, though. There's a real upside to that. And you're not struggling with some of the same things those people are. Thank God. Because you might be somebody that prays up a storm and nobody ever sees it. Well, they're not cheering outside your bedroom at 3 in the morning when God gets you up to pray for somebody, right? <laughs> well, I hope not. They're not. Nobody's up cheering. Nobody's up clapping. They're not giving the Lord a hand clap because you got up at 2 o'clock in the morning to pray for somebody. All right? It's all right. Because you're just doing what you're supposed to do, and you keep doing what you're supposed to do. Because God's gifted you in that, and he's given you that. And we're going to use that, and we're going to be used in that as we move forward. That's how God's created us. It's his, and, and, and he has by right. It's all his. Last thing I want to talk about is everyone. Because that's how the verse ends it. It talks about everyone belongs to him. You know, everything that goes to fill up the world, that's everything living. In other words, we're, we're filling up the world. Everybody's so upset we're filling up the world. Oh, yeah, we should start launching people into space because we're filling up the world. You know what? God set this in motion that we'd fill up the world. It's in accordance to his word. It's in accordance to the, the word of God that he said to fill the earth. All right? We're just doing what he says. It's okay. Don't get nervous about doing what God says as we fill the earth. There's nothing to be afraid of. He knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing at the beginning when he gave the command to Adam and Eve. Fill the earth. All right? Working on it. And, and however many billions of people that are coming around, however many billions of people that are being born, whatever, they're, they're going to be living on the earth. All right, we're filling it up. We're just doing what he said. I'm okay with that. Can you relax with that? Anybody, I don't know that anybody here has ever worried about it, but could you just relax if you are? If anybody's listening that's worried about that, we're just doing what God said. Just relax. Relax. He's got it figured out. He knows what's going on. 
And every one of those people, everything living is his. And he has the right to claim us. He has the right to claim our lives. He also has the right to dispose of us. You don't like that, do you? He can claim us. He can dispose of us. That's his right. He made us. He made us. In his grace, in his grace, in his grace, in his love for us, he cares for us. I'm just talking about what his rights are. And if you can keep it in your brain about what his rights are, maybe you just won't judge him as hard as you have. All right? Maybe you won't. Please, spare yourself. Spare yourself that heartache. Spare yourself that anger. Spare yourself that frustration in the futility of what it means to judge him. Spare yourself. He does what he wants. And he can do what he wants, and he does it in actuality. The way he deals with us is that he chooses to love us. The way he deals with us is that he chooses us to show us mercy and grace. But that's his choice, and he does. Right? But if he doesn't give you the particular kind of mercy you're looking for today, don't judge him. If he didn't do what you thought he was going to, don't get mad at him. If he, if he didn't you know, say the, the thing that you thought he was going to say or, or whatever it is, don't, don't, don't get frustrated and angry with him. You've got to keep a couple things in mind. The first and foremost is he's God of the universe. Number two, he does what he wants. And the love that he's shown you and the grace that he's shown you has been overwhelming. Overwhelming. And, and if we could only keep that perspective, I don't think we'd sweat the little things so much. The world, when it's described in here, is a poetic word. It's not a technical word. It's not talking about, like, the physical earth that you see from space. It's a poetic word. It, it means that which is fertile and that where life is. Yeah. We're part of the fullness of that. We're part of the fullness of God's fertility and the life that he's put here. And we find ourselves in the midst of that. At least we should. So how do you think this would affect everyday life? This is, a, this is one of those things that's a perspective issue. How could this affect your everyday life? If you allow it. Alright, control is a big issue. Control is a huge issue for us. And we try to control things we can't all the time. Yeah. Did you, this is kind of a weird statement, but did you know that the number of people on antidepressants 
has doubled since 2011. 2011. You remember 2011, right? It wasn't that long ago? The number of people, the number of people on antidepressants has doubled since 2011. <laughs> <laughs> that could be true. <laughs> now, there's a couple of reasons for that. There's a few reasons for that. Some of them are uh, not anything to do with a outlook or mental state. Uh, one of the one of the things that that happened around that time was that uh, manufacturers began to advertise on television, and so they were able to put out a product and put a picture of happy people running around outside, skipping in the sunshine, frolicking. Yeah, they might be on swing sets or flying a kite, maybe, and stuff. And then they, they say, okay, well, here's what you need for that. Because, I mean, who you're reaching, who's watching, sitting around the house watching reruns of, you know, whatever at the time. You know, they're not frolicking outside. If they're frolicking outside, they wouldn't be watching television, right? If they were flying a kite, they wouldn't be watching television. It, it, it's just that they're reaching a certain segment of society. And then, you know, they give you a little catchphrase, like, uh, ask your doctor if this might be right for you. Yeah, and so people began to go to their doctors demanding medication. It's like, oh, look. That those people are really happy. I want to be really happy. That medication makes you really happy. So I want to be really happy. So I'm going to go to my doctor and tell him I want to be really happy and I want this stuff. And that's what happened. They began to get that stuff. And it's not, it's not really the fault of anyone in a sense because, I mean, it is what it is. It's a free market. Now, it's also a free market for... Uh, medical professionals, and if one doctor won't give you what you want, what you gonna do? I'll go find another doctor gonna give me what I want. All right. And so the forces of the free market. There you go. And you got a lot more people asking specifically for stuff that they may or may not need. Second thing that has happened is that we, our expectations, are way, 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 way too high for life. All right? Just way too high. Life's too easy. Life's way too easy. And we got time to think about the, the finer points and fret about it. All right? If we were, you're worried about where you're going to get water, are you worried about what you're going to eat? All right? You wouldn't be fretting about the little finer points of life. All right? Your expectation would immediately drop to a different level if you're struggling just for the necessities of life. And you get the necessities of life, and you go to bed at night and you're not hungry and you're not thirsty, it's probably a good day. And not one of us in this room would ever think that. Okay? Because our expectations are way up here. Way up here. Not only do we get fed, not only do we drink something, not only are we comfortable in bed, but we need a, the, the right kind of uh, mattress topper on our bed. And we need the right kind of mattress. 
We're, our expectations are so high. Like our day needs to go exactly right. And if things don't go exactly right, then we get frustrated and upset about it. We get depressed. Why? Why? I, gee, I don't know. I didn't get that car I wanted. I didn't what? What happened? My, my, my show didn't come on that I wanted to see? What happened? My person didn't win on The Voice? I mean, what happened with our day? I mean, how did it go bad? It went bad. Oh, that person didn't text me back. Oh, that person's not my friend on Facebook anymore. I mean, how much, how much would social media just completely blow this up, too? All right? Seriously. Oh, that person was mean to me. <laughs> they gave me a thumbs down on my post or whatever. But if you, I want you to think about, like, how minute are those things in comparison to stuff that really matters? And yet they're part of our equation for a good day or not. These are expectations are way up here, and it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. Oh, now I'm frustrated. I'm upset. I should get that stuff that makes you frolic and fly a kite. <laughs> it's not. It is what you're flying. It's what makes you <laughs> now, are you you following what I, are you, you able to follow along with what I'm saying here? All right. Simplicity is that the earth is God's. He owns it. And the fullness thereof in every single person and everything living is his. And he's looking for a simplicity of worship. He wants us, if we're going to really, really, really just worship him, to worship him in a simplicity that it's all his. I don't know how to make that any easier. And I know there's some things that you don't want to believe or you don't want to hear, but they are the case. And then there are things in life that prove statements like I made. You know, your life is not your own. I can prove that to you. All you have to do is have kids, all right? And you figure that one out. Because all of a sudden, your time isn't your own anymore. And, and in a lesser way, some of you are experiencing this, if you have a puppy, all right? Even something as simple as having a dog will show you that your time is not your own. Oh, that dog's whining, that little puppy's whining, and you don't want to take him out because you're tired and you want to lay in bed? Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't be surprised, though, if you got a puddle in the middle of the floor and maybe a pile of poo. <laughs> it's going to stank you out. All right? Don't be shocked. You exercised your veto power. Over that whining and scratching at the door, you exercised it, and look what you got. Poo. And pee. And stank. Yeah. So next time, that puppy's going to train you a little better, and you'll get up and you'll let them out. 
right. Yeah, the the fantasy that you're your own is a fantasy. The fantasy that your time is your own is a fantasy. All of it is fantasy. I want to get on board with the reality of God. I really do. And the reality of God is that it's all His. It really is. And the sooner we can do that, grow up, come into that knowledge, that understanding, the happier we're going to be. The more relieved we're going to be. The less frustrated we're going to be. The less angry that we're going to be. Because there's a peace in that simplicity. Just like to take a few moments to pray, and uh, I encourage you to take some time to pray, because you're wherever you're at. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure where you're at right now, and I think some of the things I said might have made some sense, and other things maybe doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Uh, hopefully, maybe it will someday. Heavenly Father, I, I pray for us tonight, wherever we're at, for a revelation of you in your splendor, a revelation of you in your glory, a revelation of you ruling and reigning, a revelation of you as creator who spoke and all things are, a revelation of you as Lord of the universe, that the earth is the Lord's, everything, everything that's here is yours including people and living things. We're all yours, all of us. Your hand has made all things. Your hand has created by an act of your will. Things have come into being, and therefore you have ownership of all of these things, all of us. And so, God, I, I ask you that we would come to a place of Simplicity with that understanding that we can be a people who worship you in your splendor. That we can be a people who worship our God as the God of the universe. We can be a people who look to you as a God who can do anything. So God, I just ask that we'd find some rest tonight in you. And I pray you speak to our hearts, wherever we're at right now. Individually, you begin to speak to our hearts that, and challenge us in areas that we need to really be challenged tonight. Areas of selfishness or fantasy. Areas of frustration and anger. Areas of control. Areas where we've just set the bar so high for a good day that we're never going to achieve it. Ever. Just can't do it. I pray you would really confront some of those areas in us. And I pray for some real freedom tonight and some real liberty. Would you set us free, God? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just respond to him right now. Whatever he's showing you, however he's challenging you, I just want to encourage you to respond to him. Thank you, Lord.
We're blessing on you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Jesus, bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you would continue to challenge us when we fall back into old ways of thinking or old patterns that just tend to frustrate us or tend to put us in positions where we feel I have to control things. And I pray, God, that we would really be shepherded into a new way to live and a new way to see things and a new way to experience our lives so god uh free us i pray you continue to free us and i pray god that we would really step into the simplicity of worship of what it is to be a child of the god of the universe what it is to to have a life and share life with the God of the universe, the creator of all things. So, Lord, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for the life you give us. I pray that we would continue to find rest and peace in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Thank you for coming. And we'll see you again soon.